Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where an airline tries to screw OP out of $10 and ends up screwing themselves out of thousands of dollars. Our next Reddit post is from Nimcade. So the year before COVID hit the US, I started working for one of the major airlines at my local airport as a baggage handler. I absolutely loved the job. I just enjoyed being around planes from the ground level. When I started, there were no full-time positions available, so I was working part-time, six-hour nights, five times a week. The way it usually works is that each gate has a lead and a few baggage handlers. Now, I'd only been there a few months, but I was working my butt off and showing that I was a team player. I decided I was going to try to become a lead, even though they usually want you to work a year or so as a handler first. I was confident, and I ended up passing the training course with ease. The problem was, they had no availability for more leads, so I was put into what was basically an on-call lead kind of thing where they could upgrade me for the day if they needed more leads. Now, whenever they upgrade you to lead, even if it's just for a single flight, they have to pay you the extra $1.75 per hour that leads get for your entire shift. Remember, I work 6-hour shifts, so the cost to make me a lead for my shift is $10.50. So, for a few months, everything was great. I was a part-time baggage handler, but I was working as a lead for my whole shift every shift, and I was loving every second of it. Something about towing huge planes full of people to the runway was just so awesome to me. Enter everyone's favorite, good old COVID-19. Within months, the airline industry is tanking pretty hard because nobody wants to travel and get stuck somewhere. Supervisors are being told to cut costs everywhere they can, which makes sense given the circumstances. This leads to the night of my malicious compliance. It's maybe 11pm and I'm on shift until 1am. The supervisors have sent a large chunk of workers home and those of us who are left are being sent all over the airport to cover the flights. I get a call from the office that assigns the flights and I'm told to grab a box and a walkie-talkie. They tell me to head to the gate that the flight's landing in and to put in my request for lead. I see the plane coming down the lane to my gate and, at the same time, my zone supervisor drives up to the gate and asks me to come over. He then tells me something along the lines of, Hey man, we can't upgrade you to lead right now because we just can't swing that extra expense right now. I respond with, Okay, so who's going to bring this plane in? Because nobody else on this gate is lead trained, and the supervisors aren't allowed to do any of our work because of union rules. He then tells me that he's going to go find another lead to bring the plane in, and for me to just assist him when he arrives. And I'm like, sure, whatever. Now, it's important to note that planes have very tight metrics for how long it can take to bring a flight in, unload, and reload for the next flight. The plane pulls up to the edge of my gate and comes to a stop, because there's no lead there guiding them in. So, the plane just sits there, waiting. And the entire gate crew is also just standing around, waiting. 20 minutes go by and my radio goes off, and the office is pissed. They want to know why the hell I'm holding this flight short and not bringing it in. To which, obviously, I reply with, What do you mean? Supervisor so-and-so told me they couldn't afford to pay me for lead work today and he would go find someone else. The guy on the walkie-talkie asked me if I could please bring the plane in for him and I said, Sorry, but if you're not willing to pay me to do the lead work, then I'm only going to do the handler work that I'm actually being paid for. As it turns out, they sent too many leads home that night, and the only ones they did have were all busy on flights already. 
After about 45 minutes, a lead from two terminals over finally strolls up and we're able to unload the plane as usual. But that 45 minutes the plane sat idle at the gate cost thousands of dollars in extra fuel plus overtime for flight attendants forced into mandatory overtime from the situation. Not to mention all the passengers who were pissed off from the extra weight who were all comped some credits with the airline for their trouble. I also came to find out that supervisors' bonuses were based on flight turnaround time, and this 45-minute short hold probably cost him his bonus and a write-up. So, basically, the supervisor didn't want to pay me $10.50 for me to be the lead for a day, and instead, it cost the airline thousands of dollars on a heavily delayed plane at my gate as well as probably his yearly bonus that all could have been avoided by just paying me the extra $175 an hour for my 6-hour shift. Ah, yes, incompetent and a fool. I can see why your supervisor was promoted to management. Our next Reddit post is from Public Pressure. A few years ago, my husband was laid off at the start of summer. I had a part-time gig as a teacher, but it didn't come with benefits. I had to look for a job, any job, to provide health insurance while my husband looked for a new gig. I got a job as a bank teller. I tried, but I was new to keeping a till, so a few times a week, my register wouldn't balance. It was never very much money, just under a few bucks. But the whole staff had to stay late until we straightened it out. I felt horrible for the rest of the staff. And if that shame wasn't bad enough, my supervisor, Mel, would remind me that I worked at will and they could fire me at any time. Our family's health insurance going up in smoke was terrifying to me. Sometimes it was hard to hold back tears. I got better as the summer went on, but every few weeks, if I would make a mistake, Mel would smile as she warned me that, You can be fired for no cause, and you'd have to leave immediately. She was so fantastically over the top about it. At one point, I pointed out that constant threats didn't create a healthy environment. Her smile only broadened. It goes both ways. You can quit at any time, you know. When the school year started in the fall, I had to take my daughter to tour her new school for the first day. I asked to take my lunch in the afternoon so I could help my daughter. Even though they approved it, when it came time for my lunch, they insisted that I work through my lunch because they were being slammed. By then, my husband had found a job with insurance, and even better, I'd been offered more hours teaching, though still not full-time, but it was enough. The next day, I practically floated into the bank. I waited until 10 a.m., then I told Mel I had to talk to her. She replied that she was very busy and it would have to wait until after we closed. Oh, I won't be here by then, I said. She looked at me like I had just smacked her with a brick. What? I smiled. Remember when I needed to bring my daughter to her new school yesterday? Well, you wouldn't let me do that, so I'm doing it this afternoon. She didn't understand at all. You can't just take an hour off when you... I interrupted her. I'm not taking an hour off. I'm leaving. For good. At noon. You kept reminding me that I work at will, so thanks for these reminders. I'm leaving for good in two hours. While Mel fumed, I waited on customers. I practically sang my greeting to them because I was so effing cheerful. Customers kept asking me why I was so happy. I was delighted to tell them, because I'm leaving forever at noon. 
And a half hour after that, Mel thought that I should just leave right away, so I did. I practically skipped out the door, then gave Mel a very elaborate curtsy at the door. Man, I've told this before, so I'm sorry if it's a repeat, I'll keep it short. I had insurance on my previous job before I became a YouTuber, and if I got fired, then that insurance would last until the end of the month. And those douchebags waited for the very last day of the month to fire me. So the second they fired me, it was end of day and my insurance ended. Like, obviously getting fired sucks, but the fact that they did that with that timing makes it so much worse because, I mean, this was my insurance. My health depended on this. So did my wife's at the time. So the fact that they, like, pull the rug out from under both of us with no warning whatsoever, it's such a douchey move. But joke's on them because now I'm a YouTuber. (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored by Coinbase. My second biggest regret is not starting my YouTube channel sooner. My biggest regret is not getting into Bitcoin back when it was like $1. I remember back when Bitcoin was super new, I was interested in it, and I thought about buying some, but I lost interest because I didn't know what to do and it felt a little overwhelming. I really wish that I could have used a site like Coinbase back then. Coinbase is a website that makes it super easy to buy cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Interested in getting into the crypto game yourself? Then check out Coinbase. For a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at coinbase.com slash r slash podcast. Sign up at coinbase.com slash r slash podcast for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash r slash podcast. Our next Reddit post is from Moshaz. Last month, I was shopping around for a washing machine. For context, I'm in Nairobi, Kenya. Yes, it's a place. Yes, it's in Africa. And yes, we have electricity and running water. I'm a bit of a late bloomer, so I look more like a 23-year-old, but I'm actually 32. Also, I'm a photographer and I dress for comfort, so I more often than not look homeless. I looked up what I wanted online and saw that it was available at one of the major chains, but since I was free, I decided to go to the store in person. I went straight to the section with laundry equipment and one of the salesmen came up to me. I was busy checking out the model I wanted by opening the door and reading the spec sheet, so after he greeted me, we started talking about it. He asked if I'm interested in buying it, and I told him, yeah, I'm considering it, and I asked for the price. It was just shy of 900 bucks, I knew from their website, but since I was in the store, I asked if they had in-store discounts or discounts for return customers and inquired about their payment plans. I had bought a cooker there a few months before, so I knew these things existed. And while I could afford to buy the washer outright, it would have left me a little cash-strapped, and I wanted to spread the payment over two or three weeks. Also, I'm frugal, so I always look for discounts. At around this time, a well-dressed couple came into the same section, probably looking to buy something as well. And as soon as the salesman saw them, he walked to them and left me hanging. I called to him like, hey, I wasn't done. And he said, I'm serving a client now. I'll come back to you in a bit. In the meantime, look around for something you can afford. I was furious, but I'm also a bit of a coward, so I walked away and went to the customer service station and started making my inquiry all over again. The attendant offered to call a sales agent for me, the same guy as before, but I declined. I told her I already knew what I wanted, and I just needed someone to help me with the paperwork and payment, and I'd be on my way. She did just that, and I paid the full amount out of spite. 
And as we were finishing up, this salesman came up to her claiming that I was his client, which I denied, and the attendant listed herself as the sales agent. It turns out they earn a 10% commission from each sale, and the guy just missed out on a decent bonus. As I left, I turned to him and said, Turns out I could afford it with the biggest grin that I could muster. Felt good. And the best part? The couple that he ditched me for left without buying anything. Down in the comments, we have this post from Shell Bell Kell. I remember in my early 20s, I was working in a jewelry store. Decent pay plus commission. This gentleman comes in very overweight, very smelly, very greasy looking. He had boils on his face. His hands were gnarly. Some kind of medical problem, maybe. No one there would even look at him. It wasn't my turn to take a customer, but I got him by default. No sweat off my back. It costs nothing to be kind. So I smile and talk to him. He wants to see some of the rings that we have for males. I show him and he tries a few on. He ends up buying one for $2,500 cash. Everyone else was so pissed. He didn't want a bag or anything. He just wore it out the store. And as an even better ending, I had the next two days off. The next day that I worked, I was told that he had come back in the day before. He wouldn't deal with anyone except for me. He came back in that day, greeted me by name, and told me that he needed another ring. I asked him if there was a problem with the other one, and he told me that his dad liked the other one, so he gave it to him. He ended up buying another one for about $3,000. Kindness costs nothing. Even if he hadn't spent a dime, it still would have cost me nothing to be kind, but it sure as hell gained me a lot. It's so weird to me that in 2022, the era of, like, IT becoming so insanely profitable, people still judge people by how they look, like how they dress, you know? When I feel like most IT people who make like $300,000 a year or something crazy dress in like pajamas and t-shirts most of the time because they just sit on their sofa and code. I mean, take me for instance. As I'm recording this story, I could be butt naked for all you know. And in fact, it's safe to assume that in most of these stories, I'm just butt naked, completely lathered head to toe in baby oil. Why? Not because I like it, just because I can. Our next Reddit post is from Mental Glass Ceiling. So, this happened almost a decade back when I was in college. I had this roommate who was generally a very nice guy, but he thought that his blanket was a soundproof chamber. Every night, without fail, he would call his girl, and the conversation would always end up being dirty. I tried avoiding it at first, but things got out of control when he got super audible. I brought it up one day, but he just gave me this deal-with-it shrug. Q malicious compliance. When I got back that night, he was already under the blanket and the conversation had already started. I laid down and as soon as the conversation got dirty, I called for him. He looked at me weird and asked me what was up. I said, can you talk a little louder? It's hard for me to wank this way. This guy was speechless. He ended the conversation within two minutes and that was the last time that he talked dirty to her in bed. When I was in college, I had what was called a temporary triple, which basically meant that our room was built for two people, but we had three people in it temporarily. So it was me, this guy named Martin, who was a really cool guy, but a total dweeb. He was really dorky, kind of socially awkward. He seemed kind of like sheltered. You know, he was a nice guy. He was cool. He just didn't fully understand how the world worked. 
Then the third guy, I forget his name, but he was kind of like a womanizer and a partier and didn't really take college too seriously. But Martin and this other guy shared a bunk bed. And one time the third dude brought over this girl and the guy and the girl were kind of chatting. And she was like, I'll call him Steve. I don't know. Steve, do you miss me when I'm gone? Of course, babe. Do you dream about me every night? Definitely, babe. I definitely have dreams about you. And then, like before this conversation, she had been chatting with Martin some beforehand, just small talk. So she turns to Martin and says, Martin, when I'm away, does he dream about me? Does he say, oh, Rebecca, I miss you so much. And Martin, bless his heart, says something like, oh, well, no, he doesn't seem too lonely at night because he usually has another girl to keep him company. Just completely stone-faced sober. He has no idea that he just called this guy out, essentially for cheating. The girl looks shocked, and she storms off, and the guy looks to Martin and says, Thanks, Martin. And then Martin looks at me like, Huh? What did I do? I was laughing my ass off, naturally. Anyways, that was the last time I ever saw that girl. That was r slash malicious compliance, and if you like this content, check out my second channel by clicking the link in the description. Also, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.